0: Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host Dylan Watkins as he introduces today's guest.
1: How do we bring these metaverse introspective technologies to the masses? How do we gain awareness? How do we let people know about what is coming along the pipe for technology and where is humanity going? On today's podcast, I have a very special guest. His name is Ori Bar. Barr. He is the founder of Ventures, the first early stage fund dedicated to augmented reality. He is also the co-founder and CEO of The Awe, XR, a global community dedicated to advancing the augmented reality and virtual reality since 2010, over 5,000 companies and 50,000 professionals have trusted the A to connect, learn, and grow their businesses in the XR ecosystem. He's got a conference coming up. He has meetups, classes, awards, competitions, industry news, and thousands of free videos about everything XR. So, without any further delay, I would like to welcome Ori. Hey, Dylan. Hey, brother. Thank you so much for coming to the show. I'm excited to talk to you about any and all things XR. It's
0: awesome to be here.
1: Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I have a very deep appreciation. As someone who's actually thrown conferences and events and means I know just the crueling slog it takes to actually put those things together. And for all the guests to be able to show up and just have it be this easy, frictionless experience for them to enjoy, connect, learn, grow, develop their skills, Um, all in the ecosystem. So, you know, I've won a lot of appreciation for what you do. And I'd also love to learn just a little bit about your journey that got you to start creating these XR conferences and everything in the space.
0: I'd love to tell you all about it. Yeah, brother.
1: Yeah, so what was the genesis? What kicked this all off for you?
0: Well, you know, it started about 15 years ago when I discovered this technology called uh, AR, augmented reality. And I realized this is such a transformational technology that eventually everybody will uh, will use it to improve mm-hmm. their lives, their work. And uh, uh, and it felt like, you know, we, we need to find a way to bring this to to the people's attention and to and in order to do that, we we thought that uh, at that time, you know, 2008 and nine weren't too many people working in the space. So we wanted to bring them all together um, And that's how uh, AWE started, you know, with just 300 people in the room uh, kind of talking about ideas and concepts and later, you know, became what it is today, which is the largest conference in the space with tens of thousands of professionals working in AR and VR that get together, showcase uh, their demos, their products, uh, do a lot of business, you know, partnerships and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, finding customers finding jobs, hiring people. So, so it really became kind of a community that helps everyone in this industry and people that want to get into it uh, to get inspired, to learn from each other, to connect and grow this industry.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And I know as a participant, you know, I've come to the conference year after year um, as a participant, I think the last time I was there, you know, the whole pre pandemic stuff as an actual demo guest, I brought in one of the, you know, I build virtual reality applications and we came in with a a group called uh, tactical haptics. And so we had a demo booth there, which was amazing um, because one of the really big YouTube um, you know, creators actually came up and it was a big hoopla around your event where we could go and show our technologies. And you're right, it was amazing, because we got a lot of awareness, we got to show off the technologies, they got something that was pretty cool as a, you know, piece for them to showcase along the way. And um, I'm curious about you, what are the challenges that you face, like, as you're trying to put these events together as you're trying to make this thing seem so seamless?
0: Well, you know, I have to tell you that, you know, when I started the first AWE in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, I never thought I'm going to be uh, an event organizer. Um, it was kind of a means to an end, the, 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 the end was really to, to create a community that works together to advance this, uh, industry. And, mm-hmm. uh, the event was, you know, the, a great way to, to do that, uh, by the way, you know, in the beginning, it was mostly in-person events, large events. And uh, recently, we also opened a an online platform uh, called AWE.live, which allows people to connect any day of the year. You don't have to wait for those in-person events. You can go on there, you know, check out uh, different events, meetups, mm. uh, podcasts, and, and also connect with thousands of professionals just like you. So, um, so so that was kind of the the. Uh, the goal with the with kind of putting together this community mm. uh, you know organizing it yeah like you said it's uh, it's very stressful uh but I felt like I feel like you know over the last uh, decade with the growth of this community with mm. uh, the increasing awareness to what the value of AR and VR can be not just for you know entertainment and gaming but also to enterprises and to practically anything in the world became easier and easier and as you know the the brand uh grew in in popularity and and people felt you know this is kind of a well-run event uh we're now seeing you know hundreds of exhibitors that just reach out to us to uh to exhibit to participate mm-hmm. uh lots of speakers submit their talks you know we also have the Augie awards which gets you know hundreds of nominations submitted every year so you feel like that as the community is growing it's it's much easier to get all these people th- these voices into the the conference uh and the online events um and you know running the logistics it's you know it's always uh tough but uh we have a fantastic team has been with most of them have been with us with us for uh since the beginning you know since mm-hmm. 2010 so they're real pros and uh you know the, the idea is just to be very uh customer focused, you know, just mm. to uh, to see what's happening in the community, to understand what's going on and to respond to the, the needs, uh, uh, both in terms of, you know, speaking opportunities, exhibiting opportunities uh, and attending uh, opportunities. So uh, when, when you just listen to what the community wants and you deliver on it, uh, at the highest quality possible, that makes the job easier.
1: Mm. So, I mean, much like designing applications, whether augmented reality, virtual reality, metaverse, the new buzzword along the path, you, I mean, you're talking about listening to your customers, taking that feedback, and then redesigning a human-centric experience to be able to guide people through so that they get their needs back and they actually get the what they're seeking, you know, whether it's an emotional entertainment or some sort of business relationship or what comes from the situation. Can you talk to me a little bit about who are you designing these this we'll talk about the conference because it's right around the corner. it's a couple of weeks away. You can get your tickets online. Um, who should be coming to this conference and what are the what are the kind of the, the the tracks you're designing for them to go through?
0: Yeah, so you know we believe that the magic happens when you bring people from across the entire industry, you know not just from a specific sector or type of companies mm-hmm. we really try we really try to to make it relevant and interesting for all the different groups in the community starting you know with creators and developers and of course startup founders and investors uh, large enterprises that are seeking solutions for their organizations of course all the solution providers whether it's you know hardware components to smart glasses and and vr headsets um, and all the way to uh interaction uh technologies hardware and software uh applications gaming um and, uh, and also experiences. I mean, we have this thing that we, uh, we've we been running for the last uh, six or seven years, which is the AWE Playground. And that's, you know, very different than your typical exhibiting uh, or, you know, expo floor. You have experiences that are meant for people that just wanna see what it's like to do uh, things in AR and VR. Um, and, and it's a really fantastic experience. So, so again, I think it's really about bringing all the different walks of life from across this industry and again, outside of it mm-hmm. and, uh, and catering to each one of them. So, you know, we have 12 different tracks. Yeah. Each one is geared to a specific audience. Again, from creators to developers, to technologists, enterprise. Uh, we've added recently uh, a track on healthcare, which is becoming a big sector for AR and VR, mm-hmm. uh, as well as another track for AI and how you use it in, in XR collaboration which you know especially since the pandemic has become probably the the number one thing that people are demanding so uh so there's a track dedicated for how to enable collaboration training uh education so uh again trying to to bring a little bit of uh uh you know the most interesting things for for mm-hmm. each one of these audiences and, and I think again the the big value is for these people to be in the same room and starting to share ideas Uh, how they're doing things. And that cross-pollination between those groups is really what makes this event so magical for the attendees that uh, come to it. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at just the technology in and of itself, I
1: mean, so many people get their minds blown, whether it's from augmented reality or virtual reality, they get so excited that they kind of go, okay, what am I good at? I can make videos. Okay, great. And then you try to bring that in. Everyone tries to figure out what's the tool that they got in their tool belt so they can kind of bring it and all collaborate on these projects together. And so that cross-pollination is super interesting because, you know, you you can be a jack of all trades, but you won't really get very far. But if you come in with some sort of specialty or some sort of skill, but even the skill of bringing people together, you know, you can really kind of stack these things together and stack these technologies. And you're talking about stackings, you know, how does, you know, how does virtual reality or augmented reality fit with artificial intelligence? How do these things integrate? How do they integrate into the healthcare space? I mean, what common technologies are are not common or what are some of the new patterns that you've seen arise of these technologies merging together to kind of step into a new industry like as you're talking like say healthcare have you seen some new patterns with either the technology use cases or these new industries that are opening up or being open to xr technology
0: you know as uh, despite the fact that i've been in this industry for 15 years now Every year I get surprised by how people are kind of leveraging this technology, whether it's on the hardware side or software side to uh, improve different use cases, different uh, applications, different uh, you know, jobs and, and, and things in, in the world. So uh, that, that's, that's always just great to see how people are innovating. I think, you know, when you look at the patterns, you know, we've been tracking kind of the key trends in the industry. Mm-hmm. over the last uh, year and, uh, you know, it's a long list of like 12 trends. Uh, but I think, you know, the number one probably is what you mentioned before, the this hype word, what we call the M word <laughs> metaverse, which, you know, is, is kind of a mixed blessing in many yeah. ways. Right? On one hand, it uh, generated awareness that we've never seen before. I mean, my, again, my, my mission, you know, in the last 15 years was to really help bring this technology to the mainstream and with the metaverse, it feels like everybody has heard about it. They may not know exactly you know, what it means for them or how they can leverage it, but they've heard of it. And, and that's a huge uh, bar to, to, to cross. Um, and and mm-hmm. then, you know, but on the other hand, you know, it's, it's also uh, a term that has been used for almost anything these days. And it's kind of making the, the term itself a bit meaningless. Uh, plus you know the the fact that uh, some of the uh discussions around the metaverse especially you know driven by meta uh, are making it feel a bit more futuristic than it is today Uh, although a lot of the ar and vr solutions are available today and they're already delivering fantastic value to both enterprises and consumers Uh, so so we're a little bit concerned with the the use of the metaverse as something that will only happen you know in five or ten years from now Mm -hmm. because a lot of it is already here today. Uh, And, you know, again, I think what I've noticed over the past 15 years is that uh, initially, you know, there was no technology, again, just ideas and concepts. Now you have products out there uh, and they're good enough, you know, whether it's Mm -hmm. the hardware, you know, the headsets, even some some form of smart glasses, uh, which are used by a lot of uh, workers on a daily basis. Are in, a, in a state that that's you know people are using it and are showing significant improvement whether it's in life or, or work mm-hmm. so um, so that's kind of my, my uh, beef with, with the metaverse uh, yeah it, so far.
1: it's it's almost like if your mom started listening to your favorite music you know or something like that and she you're like you're like oh man the parents are here you get that kind of man I, I was cool before this thing was supposed to be cool Right, and you hear this term like ah, oh, and then and then people start throwing it around and chucking it and start <laughs> um, I don't want to say abusing the term because I know it in various worlds. It's like I know as multiplayer virtual reality applications or multiplayer, you know, or or you know cross platform augmented reality to PC. Like these are the, the terminologies that I'm thinking as. But when they when they chuck in these the you know the the M word in the situation, like ugh. And then there's this whole uh, crypto side of things. Uh, that are coming into it, that they're fighting over these terminologies and things like that. Um, I, I know you've you know you, from what I've seen right now, you've a lot of it we have in the past was a lot of enterprise, a lot of augmented reality. I know you're stepping in this XR, VR technology, and I've seen that before at the last conference that you put together. Um, you know what are uh, some of the new technologies? that you're going to be showcasing and bringing in. Is there is there crypto technologies at your event? I don't know if there was or there is
0: um, Yeah, there, there is definitely some of it. Uh, yeah. So you're right. I mean, there, there are two camps yeah. that are currently pushing the metaverse concept. One is the AR and VR people, which have been mm-hmm. doing it for a long time. And and now there's kind of a uh, let's call it a friendly term that people can relate to. And it's not, you know, the, those AR and VR acronyms. Right. Uh, and then you have the the Web3 folks uh or the crypto folks which finally found like there's actually uh a use beyond just you know uh coins uh beyond money uh that this technology can be applied to Mm -hmm. um and you know in in their world it's all about decentralization right Mm -hmm. so it doesn't necessarily have to be spatial to be a metaverse whereas for the AR and VR folks it's spatial by nature you know it's all about spatial computing it's about being inside the experience whether it's in a virtual environment or in a real world that is augmented by mm-hmm. uh, some computer graphics to to make it more engaging or more productive in your work. Mm-hmm. So so we have these two camps. Uh, there is some overlap between those and that's kind of what we try to bring to AWE. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's um, a lot of discussions around using, you know, the decentralization and uh, even, you know, decentralized ownership of, uh, of things in the metaverse. Um, so so that these kind of uh uh overlaps between those two worlds are definitely uh going to be showcased at awb
1: yeah uh, that's that's fantastic and it's almost like there's a (laughs) i just want to say a religious war over the term where people are trying to claim the same land at the same time for different terminologies which is like hey man like let's just can we all just get along and enjoy this and figure out what we need because at the same point like like all of these, all these technologies stack on top of each other. It's like, you know, uh, the XR technology would be very limited without just the internet to be able to use the internet, to be able to do everything that the internet can do on top of that tech. I mean, what, and I've seen that one of the other tracks you open up to that I'm actually really excited for, um, being someone who like, I make multiplayer VR experiences. We just released our game into app lab yesterday. Um, in the multiplayer, Metaverse and kind of things, but you have a uh, an organic how to build an organic uh, VR sports um, talk that's going on as well. So I've seen that, and I think it's one of the first times I've seen that from you, uh, really putting together this whole uh, VR sports side of things. Can you talk to me about what was the um, concept behind that and how that come to be?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the VR, VR sports has been kind of growing over the last few years. And, uh, it became such a, you know, an important part of, uh, of the VR, uh, world that, mm. that we felt, you know, we, we have to bring it in. So, uh, we brought a lot, a few speakers that will talk about, uh, how VR is used in, in esports, e and we'll also have a competition, an actual e really? VR esport competition <laughs> yeah. at the event on stage, which I think is going to be a first time that we're doing this or anyone is doing this, uh, in this format uh so I'm excited about this I mean you know it's it's uh it's very different than you know thinking about how to use AR and VR for your enterprise mm-hmm. uh and it's even different than you know building and, and creating AR AR and VR games uh, it's more about how you are actually experiencing it and the whole culture that is being built around it and although it may sound you know kind of out there for some of the typical activities we have uh, I think uh, you can learn from that a lot and again going back to that cross-pollination I think, uh, you know, enterprise people looking at how game experiences are being built can learn a lot from that about how they can make their experiences for their own workers, their own employees, more engaging, more productive, more interesting. Mm -hmm. So, so again, uh, just bringing all these different disciplines together uh, can make us have, you know, a bigger pie and a a more fruitful pie, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like, I mean, I think in the sometimes
1: games are, are looked down upon as not a whether real form of entertainment or not a big business or other things until you really look at them and you realize you know how big the eSports marketplace is how big that industry is of gamers and entertainment and there' so many people are shifting away from I mean, television I mean how many people use television and and that type of stuff versus now the the gaming space is, is blown up and it's massive and the adoption rate now with really the headsets, I mean, I remember years ago when I mean, back in the day when I got started, you know, I got started on the you know the headsets back in 2012, you know, back in Kickstarter Oculus, and that's when I was when I got into it where nobody knew about it. I think just last year there was what like 10 million Quest headsets that are coming out, and that's a that is a huge business, a huge industry that is rapidly growing because I feel like you know, there's only so many decades of Call of Duty and all these same types of genres where they just rinse and repeat, you know, the fifth version of Halo or whatever it is again and again and again, that I think they're craving something new where you're saying, yeah, it is different. It's a little weird. And it very is interesting to watch these esports, VR sports gamers, and these enterprise kind of people in suits trying to do business deals coming together to kind of see. But I think that's where it'd be kind of like, you know, it's kind of like random shots where it's, hits and misses and then sometimes I imagine some gold could come from that. Have you have you seen any things where they could actually synergize together? or Do you see any opportunities for these two um, different industries to come together at the conference?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first, let, let's not forget that uh, gaming is really what enabled uh, platforms like Unity or Epic Games or, you know, Unreal Engine to grow and really become massive uh, and and actually, when you look at these companies and, and many others that have started with building platforms and tools and developer mm-hmm. environments for games, mm-hmm. are now applying this for the enterprise because they see a significant market over there. So the same tool applies to them. Of course, you know you have to change some of the uh, you know user experience guidelines and so on. But still, a lot of it is, is still very relevant. So so I think in terms of the the uh, the engines out there, the tools out mm-hmm. there. Um, it's it's uh, it's critical to kind of use the same tools that are used for gaming for enterprises. But then at the same time, you know, you have um, a whole um, bunch of new startups and, and larger companies, which are now applying these technologies to an enterprise environment. Mm. And that requires, you know, to understand the use cases, to understand how the industry works and adapt it to that environment. And, and by the way, I think. When when uh, gamers or or you know game developers look at what's happening in the enterprise, on one hand they see that as an opportunity for revenue. So you see a lot of uh, the startups you know in 2016 and 17 shifting from gaming to enterprise because they saw an immediate revenue opportunity there, and that allowed them to you know to grow their companies, have further rounds of investments, and so on. Uh, so so that that worked well in, in that regard and. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and again, I think that there's kind of a closed loop here, because once you start developing for those enterprise oriented environments, the game engines learn from that and, and know how to adapt it and evolve their products to support that, that industry. And, and that could in, in uh, turn also uh, help with uh, game development and kind of bring some new uh, aspects, new concepts to it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think kind of, again, bring those, those two worlds together is something that benefits both sides. You're right. C- collaborating on the tool
1: sets and and anybody I don't, people who listen to this podcast should know this, but it, using the say Unreal versus Unity, I'll just speak to Unity for a moment. The unity game engine is amazing because it can deploy to cross platforms so like photoshop can make a photo the unity game engine can deploy it to pc to mobile to android to uh oculus to valve to a whole bunch of these different platforms and a lot of people came in the technology back in the day when they first came out with the vr headset they're like oh my god this is amazing And they would build something but there was no store there was no oculus store there was no way to make money like oh crud i got to make money what do i need to do and so everyone started breaking up and going to different areas some people went into the medical marijuana space some people went into (laughs) enterprise some people went into ai some people and everyone's like oh god i got to figure this out and they all divided and tried to go in different ways okay how do i take this this amazing widget of of vr and bring in the space i think augmented reality because of the player base player base being everyone's got a mobile phone that was it makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of dollars and cents when you're deploying augmented reality augmented reality applications and the augmented reality applications are what they're data overlays so you can you can have data overlays for that you can do remote collaborations remote ep- expert assistance all on top of that and the new fun feature for augmented reality that's just come out are filters Right, you know, give me duck lips. Give me, actually, give me hair. You know, I'd like to have hair. could shake it back and forth. Right, those are those Same are the kind of the, the news effects. Right, it'd be it'd be fun. Right, and there's a whole new space. I mean, if you look at the the different filters, TikTok, they now made it to where you can make all these different types of filters for people to go through, even gamification filters that are feeding back in the systems. Right, so those are and that and all of that technology, and you're talking about the enterprise solutions. We're making these fleet management systems, ways to be able to actually have these systems be able to manage all of these tech, all these headsets, all these user deployments so that you can actually make it easier for some one dude from a corporation to click a button and update, you know, a thousand different headsets or a thousand different mobile. So it all kind of feeds into itself as in terms of the enterprise solutions, I named a couple of what I would consider non gimmicks for augmented reality, but actual real valuable Things, data overlays, remote calibrations, remote expert assistance. Are there any other use cases that you've seen for augmented reality that um, that aren't like the gimmick side of things, but things that add actual value to the, the user's experience? You mean
0: on the enterprise side? Oh, yeah, on the enterprise side. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I, I think you know, um, uh, first and foremost, it's really when you look at across all the different types of use cases, it's about improving productivity, mm-hmm. it's about improving safety and engagement of employees in, in many, many cases. And uh, it's done, you know, it could be done with smart glasses for remote expert assistance, like, like mm-hmm. you mentioned before, which is probably the number one use case today in the enterprise for smart glasses. Um, but then of course, you know, training is, is becoming almost a, uh, a no-brainer for every Fortune 1000 companies, company out there. Uh, in a sense that, you know, whether it's using VR or AR, depending on the, the need, uh, it's it's a much more efficient way to train new employees. Uh, as well as, you know, sometimes it's also used for training on the job, right? So, something that um, Werner Vinge in his book, Rainbow's End, which is one of my favorite books about AR, uh, mentioned this this concept of JIT, just-in-time training. Mm. And uh, you see already today uh, a bunch of companies using it, uh, kind of, and they they're kind of comparing side by side. You have, uh, you know, an employee doing the work in a traditional way. It could be, you know, like a uh, a line where they have to do different things, or maybe they have to wire things, you know, in a Boeing airplane, or uh, uh, or even you know a, um, a spaceship, mm. and. Um, and there, you can see that actually the uh, the speed in which you can deliver on the job is significantly faster than uh, than what you can do with you know with the traditional manuals where you have to look at the page and kind of read the uh, line by line what you have to do. So so again, training and learning on the job is, is mm. probably the second biggest use case that we're currently seeing. Um, yeah. Other than that, you know, it's it's uh, it's about collaboration, uh, especially you know with the pandemic, but not even that. I mean, just if you want to save on travel, if you want to have experts that can serve multiple locations at once from the back office, uh, this idea of, of collaborating online using VR or AR in, in many cases has proven to be uh, a very efficient way for companies to use this technology. Mm. Uh, and that, no, there, there's uh, hundreds of hundreds of use cases that we're seeing across every single industry you can think of. Yeah uh, where, where, you know, people are applying some of these techniques, uh, to just, you know, improve their business. And, and it's, it's sort of, a, uh, a competitive advantage right now to use AR and VR to improve your business. And for those who are not using it, uh, we're starting to see a lot of FOMO that, you know, their competitors are using this technology. They're, uh, showing, you know, either better results or better outcomes uh for their organizations so if you're not there uh you may become a dinosaur you know if you're not ready to transition to this new wave of computing you may lose uh and and be behind
1: (laughs) the way of the newspapers yeah yeah the you're talking about the the fomo and there is a a piece of the, the the vr area is it's sexy right and i think a lot of these um larger institutions are you know you know kind of how Stella got her groove back they want to get into VR for the sexiness but it does make dollars and cents when you scale like VR training to just trade one person one time and you build out a very expensive VR application doesn't quite make sense but at scale thousands of employees. I mean, it is, it is an amazing thing. Plus the analytics that you get, being able to see what they're doing, what they're looking at, what they're feeding at, how they get stuck and being able to kind of dynamically serve up even different models for new people going through the experience, giving them something that's a bit more easier or more advanced people that just don't want the tutorial. Like sometimes we don't want that information. Just, I know what I need to do. I just, I'm just stuck in this one section. And so uh, one thing you touched on that I'd be curious about on the topic was, was, engagement employee engagement what have you seen any use cases or examples around using this technology to actually increase the employee's
0: engagement so you know take for example um a pretty common use case for the enterprise called you know warehouse picking right mm. so uh so we have you know thousands and thousands of, of employees that work in warehouses they get an order they have to find it in the warehouse and then uh you know pick the box and ship it and uh, this, this, you know, use case that we've seen for I think a, a decade now, being used even you know as as uh, all, as far back as with uh, Google Glasses, you know, in 2013 and 14, some of these use cases have been applied. Um, and again, I mean, first of all, it has proven to to drive productivity significantly. So you know, people do it faster with less errors. They're even safer as they do it. So so that's a kind of a clear win. Mm. Uh, but in addition you know to your point you know it's a little bit more sexy than uh just you know using a, a pen and paper to track your shipments and to try and find it you know if you have this really cool uh, user experience that navigates you to the right bin in the right warehouse so that you can find the item that you need to ship uh that's you know again saving time and it's it's a bit more interesting than just walking around you know the warehouse uh, looking for mm. for something um the second piece is that, um, you know, it, it kind of gives you guidance in your field of view. So, you know, you don't have to shift your attention from, you know, from the, the shelf to some paper or, or even an iPad, you know, or, or a tablet that shows you the information. So you're fully focused on the task at hand. Um, that, that kind of drives some of the engagement. Uh, but I think, you know, also the, the other aspect you mentioned, which is the analytics that you get from just tracking uh, you know what works, what doesn't work so well in some of these processes uh, is helping managers to just improve the overall productivity of, of their employees. Now, so, some may say, you know, there's a bit of a uh, you know big uh, big brother kind of tracking every every move yeah. that you make, which yeah. is true. And and I think especially on the consumer side, that has to be taken into account and, and really toned down so it's more anonymous and so on. There are different ways to kind of address that. But when it comes to uh, a work environment, um, you know, you, your employer uh, has the right and, and needs to know what's going on and how fast it is for you to, to find different things. And not because, you know, you're not doing your job well, but because maybe the technology can enable you to do it faster. So, mm-hmm. so that aspect, I think, of, of kind of tracking the data, analyzing it, and then improving these processes to speed up the, everything. And again, to reduce errors uh, i think you know everybody everybody is happy from that you know the the employee the employer the customer gets it faster and and the right product uh, so so that's uh, again a win-win for everybody
1: yeah i mean it's, it's the same thing like yeah no one likes being tracked and watched and monitored and quote unquote micromanaged it's not like it's not a good feeling it's not a good feeling at all to be like you know we you know there's cameras on me what do i do but if you I mean, if you go into any store uh the, generally speaking there's cameras on you and if you especially if you have a company phone that company phone is gonna be is gonna be tracked quite a bit. So it's trying to trying to strike that balance, especially if you're employees. I mean for customers, of course, yeah, you don't want you don't want that. But as we all kind of start to step and be completely digital, everything is going to be trackable and traceable and stuff like that. And you know, it's trying to find that, yeah, that balance between, you know, um using the data in a respectful way versus oppression and kind of domination, which is it's a it's a it's a gray line there's a a bunch of different gray lines along that one i don't really have the answer for but i think it is like with everything it's 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 a balance right there's there's something
0: that has to be addressed Uh, you know privacy uh and ethics uh are are two huge topics in in and vr and the metaverse and uh the good news is that there's actually a, a high level of awareness among the industry there's a lot of organizations that are working towards addressing that, you know, first of all, to raise some of the issues and then find solutions for how to address it. Mm-hmm. And you're already seeing a lot of companies that are building these, you know, privacy concerns into the core of the product itself. Uh, you know, even Apple, you know, is, is kind of one of their flagship uh, advantages or is, is really that they are they care about your privacy and they're building it into the product itself. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that process is already in place. And uh, But we, we always have to kind of keep an eye on, on these things because it can easily, um, you know, get out of, uh, uh, out of where it is now and, and kind of become uh, scary for a lot of people. So it has to be to remain a main concern for everyone in the industry. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's funny because like there's a lot of things that people get mad at for Apple overcharging and, you know, all the things that they they do inside of there that are practices that people like, you know, I love the technology, but there's a, a lot of things about that. When they held that privacy flag, everyone's like, yes, thank you. The biggest company finally is not taking my data. And it's like, yeah, we, we make you pay in every other way. But okay, I'm okay with that. You know, it's a big, it's a big win on Apple's side. Um, but you touched on some, some critical areas, this privacy and inclusion and all these other things. When you are having an, I mean, you run these very large scale events, you're doing these things online and everything else. How do you think about creating values and codes of conduct and things around that? How do you educate the people that work with you? What does that, what does that look like you for trying to curate a culture, um, with intention?
0: That's a very key for us. Um, you know, uh, the, the mission with, with AWE, besides kind of bringing together the industry and help advance it is, is also, you know, it's not just reflecting what's happening in industry. It's also trying to provide some guidance, you know, and, and to make sure that everybody thinks about these important things and, uh, and take it into account in the, the processes and the products and so on. So, so it's been really high on our, uh, you know, list of, of goals for the event. And one thing that we work really hard on is first of all, to get more female speakers to the event. Uh, you know, we, we have, you know, 300 to 400 speakers in every event and in the past uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, it was like 60, 70% were, were male, if not more, uh, and weren't as diverse because, you know, if you just reflect what's happening in the industry, it's not going to be diverse enough. So we worked really hard to try and find uh, those, you know, female leaders and uh, you know, black leaders that may not have uh, the the stage or, or the exposure to to be picked into most events, and uh, and we brought them in. Uh, either you know, as startups. Uh, we, we have you know a startup competition mm-hmm. that we do every year, and now you know we have a, a very clear requirement to have very diverse set of founders. So, you know, we, 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 we look for them, uh, we find them, we mentor them, and and we make sure that there's strong representation of underserved communities. And and again, especially uh, female founders in, in those competitions and again, in, in the, the entire conference itself. And I think, you know, when you go to the events in the last few years, you actually see that it's much more balanced, much more diverse, I mean, you, you have people from, you know, like 60 or 70 different countries around the world, uh, you have, you know, all genders represented, you have really a mix of people from all walks of life. And and for me, it's, it's so key because, you know, if you want to bring this technology to every single person on Earth, which is really the goal, I think of many of us in the industry, uh, you have to make sure that it's relevant for every person on Earth. And the only way to achieve that is if you have diversity in your creators, your developers, your startups, your uh, speakers. Um, And, uh, and again, I think we've uh, advanced a lot in that area over the last few years. Um, The other thing is, you know, the culture, which you mentioned, you know, that's another, uh, it's a huge, it has a huge impact on the industry. You know, we've seen again with Google Glass, what happened when the whole culture impact was somewhat ignored, Um, I think. Uh, now, again, with a lot of the organizations that really focus on, uh, building ethics rules and, and, uh, and guidelines, um, and, and bringing those conversations into the event. Uh, by the way, not, not all of it's happening on stage. A lot of it is happening, you know, between people just meeting in a hallway and, and sharing some of their ideas. So kind of Mm. tackling things. Like you know, uh, what's the right way to to build an AR or VR experience so that it's it's diverse, it's ethical? Again, privacy is is included. Uh, so so kind of driving those conversations uh, is has been a very key for us over the the past mm-hmm. few years.
1: Yeah, yeah. ethics and opportunity. I mean, there's the things I'm hearing from you. and I mean, looking at that from the perspective, and you know very much appreciated bringing in. Fresh perspectives, you know, and and all of these different opinions and thoughts and cultures and bringings and sharing that because that's kind of that's how we grow, right? If we keep, you know, ending up in those echo chambers, you know, then it's one of the biggest challenges I know because I've run a lot of uh, virtual reality hackathons. You know, uh, developers would tend to cluster up, right? They'd all cluster up, right? And they're all hanging out. It's like, look, guys, everyone's got to break up. No, we. I know we all. Everyone's got a break because you. Because then that magic happens and that innovation comes and that's the cross pollination of what you're talking about from all the different cultures and creeds and stuff. And you talked a bit about the startup and how you, is it? You're talking about the pitch events or something like that, or yeah. what does that look like in terms of that? Is there any just in time education for these uh, startup people coming in for the pitch, or what's the what's the opportunity for that?
0: Yeah, I mean you know when we started that you know actually in the first AWE in 2010, uh, we just, you know, opened it up for people to come in and pitch and and do live demos on stage, which was (laughs) very stressful for for the organizers as well as for for the people that were doing the live demos. Uh, But, you know, gradually we kind of evolved that process. And now, uh, you know, we we have kind of an ongoing submission uh, open for founders all over the world. So each year we collect, you know, 250 to 300 submissions from startups. Uh, you know, we sift through it. We, we make sure that we have a representation of different use cases, different countries, different backgrounds. Uh, and we also try to uplift some of the, uh, those which are you know, uh, struggling to, to either find the investors or find a, a stage to, to talk about what they do. Uh, and once we find those, we match them with investors. So we have this special program for investors. If you're willing to mentor some of these startups for a few hours, you get a free path to the event. So that again, high value for the startups, high value for for the investors. Um, And uh, once we pick the the shortlist for uh, the founders that will be pitching in the pitch competition, uh, they're matched with these mentors and, and they spend some time with them kind of to perfect the presentation to make sure you know, because they have just five minutes to present on stage. So you have to hit on all the points you have to really, you know, uh, show confidence. You have, uh, you know, the slides need to look good. So there's a lot of things that go into it. And and those mentors help in in achieving that. Um, Mm. But we we actually went a step further. uh, Last year, actually in 2020, during the pandemic, uh, we started an online course for startup founders. We call it Fundraising 101, Uh, and it's really, uh, you know, a few uh, experienced mentors, including myself, uh, meet with these startups, with these founders for a six week uh, course. And each week, we know, kind of uh, we take their pitch, you know, the whole product strategy, the company strategy, we break it into pieces. So each week we tackle a different aspect, whether it's, you know, the market potential, the product value proposition, the go to market, you know, how to talk and, and how to raise money with investors. So we kind of break it into all these pieces and, and we we d- dig deeper into it. So eventually they come out of it with uh, kind of the perfect pitch for at least, you know, where they are, you know, their stage and uh, and what they can uh, showcase at that time.
1: And, mm. and that's
0: been especially fruitful for for some of these startups. Uh, some of them went on to pitch in the pitch competition. Some of them went to actually raise funds and come as an exhibitor to the event. So, so that kind of all comes back to, uh, to the AW community. When, when we invest in them, when we help them, uh, they come back and, and keep growing this community. And if
1: someone will say there's a startup out there that wanted to actually take that six-week course, is it, is it free? How do they get it? What does that look like?
0: It's not free. Uh, I mean usually, in order to get something equivalent to that mm-hmm. you would probably have to join an accelerator and give out some equity mm-hmm. uh We decided not to go down that route uh, so you know it's a it 's a nominal price you know it's about two thousand dollars for founder uh for some you know startups it's it's not uh it's you know it's it's a significant investment mm-hmm. but it's much much less than what you would have to do again with uh with an accelerator or something like that. Plus, you know, because our focus is 100% on XR, you know, the mentors that we bring in, the investors that we bring in, the knowledge that we share during those classes is 100% focused on AR and VR. And that's unique. I don't think you have many uh, frameworks like that that offer this kind of, uh, of support for startups. Um, so, if you, know, people, if you want to go to are, it. You... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh...
1: Apologize there. And if people want to go and find it, how do they go and find it?
0: Uh, like everything else, just go to awexr.com, which, which mm. is our website. Look for the Academy. Mm. Uh, there's actually a, a bunch of really interesting courses in there. Uh, one of them is the Fundraising 101. Okay.
1: That's great. And yeah, it makes sense going in and pay for that. Also, you're talking about opportunity cost. I mean, I've seen a lot of People come in and try to pitch, and they just don't. They have no guidance, no experience, no anything, and they have a tendency to. Even if it's a great product, uh, there's a lot of things that they um, drop the ball on. And you'd rather you'd rather hone your skills in a safe environment, and then when you have this one chance to try to impress an investor or somebody, it could make all the difference in your world opening up. And so it it makes sense that it's not it's not free, it, and there's any you have to pay for. I, I was a part of an incubator for a number of years, and that was. That was definitely more than $2,000. Um, yes. So I can, I can I speak to that for sure. Um, what are one more topic? One more question on this topic and we'll shift gears is what do you think are some of the common mistakes that you've seen startup people make who come in with an idea, whether it's I have an idea of an app for the enterprise or a game or whatever, what are the typical mistakes that
0: they make? So, I mean, it kind of goes back to the M word. Um, I mean. I've seen, you know, hundreds of pitches or maybe thousands of pitches over the last five or six years. And uh, in the last year and a half or two years, almost everyone is using the, the metaverse in mm-hmm. their pitch. And, you know, on one hand, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, a way for startups to get noticed by investors that are looking into the metaverse, which, which is fine. Uh, but in many cases, it's, it's kind of uh, making some investors roll their eyes. Because they've seen it so many times, you know, our, we're the metaverse company, we're the metaver- we're going to sell NFTs, you know, when, when you ask a startup, what are you, how are you going to, you know, what's your business model? How are you going to make money? And the only answer is, you know, we're going to sell NFTs. That's a red flag, because it doesn't go well um, in many, many cases. Of course, you know, there are companies that, that can make a, a great business model around that, but it, it's not for everybody. And it's not for every use case or every type of, of company so so first you know be careful from using these buzzwords without really substantiating it with something that really matters that that is really driving a, a value for for a certain mm-hmm. audience at the end of the day you know the fundamentals still apply uh whether it's you know this wave of computing or or another wave of computing uh so so ignore the hype and, and try to first of all you know put together a team that is uh, high quality team with a passion to solve a real problem for a certain audience. And that there is you know, quite a bit of opportunity uh, in that market that you're targeting. So I think, you know, if, if you just start with those things, uh, you have a, a much better chance to uh, to get in the door to have investors listen to you and hopefully follow up with investments.
1: Yeah, that's the hard one is that you get an amazing idea, but you don't validate the business model. Right? And you know, validate to say, oh, I'm just going to use this buzzword. And you slam the buzzword into the situation. It's like, okay, how do you know that this thing is going to make money? Because at the end of the day, I mean, I feel like a lot of investors, they want, you know, they want to do good, right? They want to have something that their, people are passionate about, but they want to say, okay, if I give you a dollar, how do I know $10 is going to come back to me? What's the likelihood that that's going to happen? Without clarity on that situation, then, then there's going to be an issue that will pop up. You know that they're like, OK, you know, come back with a and team increases that likelihood, a solid business plan or a business model increases that likelihood that makes it, that makes a lot of sense. Um, switching gears and I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this question, but I haven't answered this question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Uh, what for you is the most exciting demo technology thing vendor? What's going on at the at the uh, uh, conference that you got coming up that you're most excited for?
0: Yeah, that's indeed a a tricky question for me, because, you know, for me, everyone in the ecosystem and especially exhibitors or speakers at the event are all, you know, in in a way like like my kids, I love them all. You know, I cannot, I cannot (laughs) cannot make favorites. (laughs) Uh, So everything and everyone that comes to the event and kind of showcases what they do Mm -hmm. is is, for me is interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can learn from from everything, you know, from the largest booth that shows like, you know, you have Qualcomm and, and uh, Meta and, you know, Niantic and Snap and and like some of the biggest players showcasing what they do. That's always interesting and, and impressive. But, you know, we have also some like small tables in the corner with uh, a founder that is really passionate about what, what they do. You can learn from that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, in general, if you ask me what I'm excited about, I think yeah. uh, I, I mentioned that before, you know, that I think that technology has matured to a point where, you know, Headsets, whether it's for AR or, or you know mixed reality or VR, they're good enough, you know, and and they're they're improving on a fast pace. So, like every year having you know, a couple of releases from these companies and it's getting better and better all the time. Uh, so that's always you know a, a great opportunity to try out some of those headsets because usually you know, especially during the pandemic when you're mostly uh, working online, there's just no way to try those new gadgets. Uh, so, so that's like probably the, the biggest uh, thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing at the event. Um, but then you have also, you know, all sorts of things that are you're not expecting that are happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you have uh, a company that uh, creates uh, a device for VR that allows you to actually smell things in, in the metaverse or in you know, in, in VR experiences. And, you know, I've seen, like, really early demos of that, you know, as early as 10 or 15 years ago. And they weren't re- really convincing, or they were so cumbersome that you couldn't really apply it anywhere in the real world. But now it's actually getting to a point where it works. Wow. And it's fascinating. And, and that also, I mean, all, the, all the, the things around interaction. I mean, because interaction is really, if you think about what's really new about this new wave of computing versus, you know, the 2D wave of computing, is the interaction. We're not using keyboard and mouse anymore. We're not looking at the screen. So how do you interact in that world? Mm. Um, so, you know, interaction, whether it's uh, gloves or technologies that kind of track your movement or allow you to uh, actually walk and, and run in those environments. Um, uh, th- these are some of the things that are, I think, uh, extremely surprising and in their maturity and in the fact that they're actually uh inventing this new yeah. way that we're now going to interact in vr or ar uh so, it- so again trying those devices at the event that's that's awesome and then you know the, i mentioned before the awe playground which is you know just pure experiential demos mm-hmm. uh you know it's it's like this big space uh all concrete so you know very raw in its nature and and you just walk around and, and try different things uh, and uh that's that's always you know a lot of fun i mean some of it some of those are are games and and entertainment it's cool Uh, but many aren't many are kind of just taking you to uh uh, unexpected things and Mm. and that's always a great surprise at the event
1: yeah there's there's a bunch of things i knew that was not a a fair question for me to ask but i wanted to ask it anyways on the like what's what's your favorite child like let me know come and tell me that it's it's super hard especially as the organizer that's it's it's not that's not an easy question. And you're right. There's a I love going there because there's connections, the people that you make. I mean, I've met people there at, at the conference I'm still friends with today after years and years of being a part of it. And but you know, there's a the trying things on. I've gone to plenty of virtual conferences. I've gone to VR conferences where you put on a headset and you walk around and you meet people in VR, which is really awesome. It's terrible when they put giant videos that you try to watch stream speakers inside VR and you've got like an eight-pound headset on and you have you're holding up your head just looking at a 2D screen for 45 minutes like this. It's, it's not, it's not the best use case uh, for VR, but being able to try out the tech, you know, when I was there, we you know we demoed our, our video game, um, you know, and then we had that the haptics that you could actually hold in, which was amazing. The, the one that I'm actually excited to try, because I think a lot of the people that are deep in the XR space and I can only speak myself, but a lot of times we're, we're novelty junkies right you try something cool oh that's amazing that's so new that's amazing okay what's the next cool what's the next cool and and you can see you know once you see a an app or an experience it's you you get okay this is more polished this is you know this is enterprise this is triple a i get that but being able to try that hardware that someone's invested you know thousands hundreds of thousands millions of dollars to upgrade is incredible one uh that i'm actually really excited to try out that i have just heard amazing things i think it's called vario that new headset out there that is supposed to be that next level i think it takes two display ports that gets plugged into the back end of the system i heard it's i heard it just it actually looks real i don't know if you've had a chance to try out that headset yet um but as someone who's like you know you get used to vr you're like okay i know what this is like i get with a, you know a 300 headset is amazing you can order on amazon and have in two days but i still am super curious you know what a several thousand dollar headset experience is like do you have you tried that yeah. yet
0: or I, I have of course i mean yeah. uh, actually there, there's a really interesting story around it um, yeah. i mean the, their headset is probably one of the the best out there in terms of the quality of the experience uh, whether it's you know used for vr pure vr or mixed reality where you see some part of the real world along with some virtual content uh and and you feel it like it's really there I mean it's it's as close as it gets to uh the future that we're all kind of going for but the story is that you know when they before they launched back in 2017 they invited me for a demo uh, in new york city um and and i was blown away and uh and then i said you know how about you know come to the event and, and kind of try to showcase it i'm sure a lot of people will get excited and indeed they went it was their first event and uh their feedback was just incredible i mean they felt like they they found home they found a place where you have thousands of people that are all just looking for this kind of technology and uh you know they were lining up to try their demos uh since then you know they've had multiple iterations and you know different headsets and even improved since then Mm -hmm. um but they're still kind of uh they, they, I just met with them a couple of weeks ago and they said that, you know, AWE is kind of the, their best place to, to find users, to find people that are uh, really can appreciate the quality and the experiences that they deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're happy. I mean, and, and actually, you know, there's a lot of stories like that. And, and that's, you know, when you ask me what, what I'm most excited about, it's really seeing those success stories of, you know, people getting together uh, part, you know, even, even since, you know, 2010, 2011, I heard so many stories of founders that found their co-founder at the event. And once they looked at the, the market, they saw what, what's out there, they realized it's time to actually start their own startup. And since then, you know, it became a billion dollar company. Mm. Uh, people, you know, got hired to their favorite jobs, people, investors to invest in their company at the event. Uh, and. So many friends, friendships uh, are being created when when you see them kind of joining uh, each other, you know, in the hallways and having a a passionate conversation that makes the whole thing worthwhile.
1: Yeah, Uh, there's a lot of there's a magic in that connection and that inspiration and that ability to to really kickstart someone's life or their own hero's journey into this whole XR Mm -hmm. space. And you, you, you mentioned it before, but I do want to kind of touch it and go back kind of full circle with this. You were talking about what your mission is, which I call the Holy Grail. Can you iterate again what your Holy Grail
0: or your mission is with this? So, you know, when we started the event and I've actually started with a, a nonprofit organization called AugmentedReality.org, which had a mission to advance AR to advance humanity. And we set up a goal to achieve, was a very specific goal, you know, to achieve 1 billion users by 2020. And lo and behold, 2020 arrived and, uh, you know, you could argue whether it was 2020 or 2021, that number was crossed. Uh, I think today there is over 1.5 billion people using AR and VR. Wow. So we're, we're, I mean, we achieved that goal and it's, you know, it's not like AWE made it happen, but we, we like to think we had a little role in, in, in kind of uh, helping the industry get to that, that place. So then it became a question. Okay, what's the goal for the next decade?
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: so, you know, in 2020, uh, my keynote, I I actually teleported myself into 2030 and tried to see, you know, what's the world, you know, forget about all the technology limitations and all the cultural issues and all these things. What a world in 2030 could look like when Aeon VR and the metaverse are adopted worldwide by by everyone. And I realized, you know, there's, like it has like significant impact on practically every aspect of our life from, you know, uh, reducing unemployment to um, driving productivity and and growth, but also, uh, you know, reducing travel, um, kind of changing the landscape of advertising to, uh, you know, a spatial type of world. So a lot of impacts across the industry, but maybe the biggest uh outcome that is possible from adopting this technology is is to actually create a world that is worth living in
1: mm. and, you
0: know there are so many threats currently uh against you know humanity in the next couple of decades sure. uh, whether it's you know inequality and and you know ending poverty and ending diseases and fighting climate change uh, th- these are huge goals that you know for those who are are not aware of it yet you know these are going to be the biggest uh, concerns of humanity in the next few decades and i think you know ar and vr and and maybe even the metaverse itself have a lot to help in kind of bringing us to a world that uh this is worth living in so uh so the goal you know for the next decade is really to try to help guide this industry you know by finding mm-hmm. the the best you know the thought leaders the the most uh the companies and the products that best address some of these issues and highlight them and, and really um, help guide this whole industry towards that, that world by looking into some of the most important things in our lives uh, mm-hmm. and not just, you know, focus on, uh, on exits and and uh, making money from these companies. There's a lot more that we can do. And, mm-hmm. and I always, you know, in the last few years uh, I, I encourage, entrepreneurs to think bigger i mean i think again we're at the point where the technology is good enough the awareness level is at an all-time high yeah now let's put this technology to good use yeah what can we do with it yeah and so if that's the, if that's the holy
1: grail if that's the mission that we know a world that is worth living in by 2030 and being able to actually uh, come combat some of these real threats and kind of globally think on it and be able to kind of co-create a better reality together you know what's the dragon you know what's the biggest thing that you know is preventing you from hitting that holy grail mission what do you think is the the thing that you know is is seemingly the biggest thing and the most difficult thing to tackle
0: i think it's the cultural backlash um as much as it's already widely used and uh you know like i said you know it's, it's sexy people like it uh, but still there's a, a big portion of the community which has never tried vr or ar and and uh they don't even want to try it and and it's one one of these things that until you try it you don't really know what you're missing you don't know how it can really change your life you know whether it's work or or your personal life uh and and a lot of it is because you know many people are you know there's a lot of luddites out there that are afraid of new technologies are afraid it will take their jobs Mm. um and it's kind of a futile uh exercise to try to combat these technologies, because I, I think in many ways it's inevitable. It's mm-hmm. inevitable because, you know, it's more natural, I think, for the human race to actually interact with technology, with the world in a, a spatial environment, as opposed to a 2D screen like we're doing today. Yeah. So so I think it's, it's clear it's going to happen. Um, but kind of combating all these people that are against it, that are raising concerns that uh, in a way that is not solvable, I think that's that's the issue. So, again, awareness is critical just to get people to actually hear about it and, and kind of try to learn more about how it can help them in their lives. Uh, but then also overcoming some of the concerns, which, you know, a lot of them are, are right, right, right? I mean, we touched on it a few times already, you know, privacy and, and ethics and inclusion. Th- these are key things that if we don't pay attention to, then, uh, this whole thing is is not gonna work um or it 's not going to work in the way that we want it to to work okay. so uh so combating the uh the cultural backlash being aware of it uh and you know capturing one person at a time until every single person on earth has tried a r and v r that's that 's the mission
1: that 's awesome. And that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, people are trying to hold back the, the flood of technology with their bare hands. And it's like, but we're moving there. Everybody's going there. And, uh, you know, one person at a time. I often look at it like lights turning on in the city at night, you know, as it gets dark. They don't all go on at once, but give enough time, all those lights are on. So, and that's kind of, I feel like where we're, where we're going. Um, you know, this has been a, a, a great podcast. Thank you for coming on. Uh, if there's anything else, um, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them uh, more about you and how to find out more about the conference?
0: Uh, you know, it's it's not so much a conference. It's really a community. Mm-hmm. AWE uh, has has been kind of building this community of uh, AR and VR professionals and newbies and, again, across the spectrum from creators to developers to entrepreneurs to enterprise and end users and gamers and uh, workers and, and kind of bringing all this community together. Yeah. Um, it can benefit a lot from going to some of those in-person events which we are now running in the us europe asia and at tel aviv uh, but you can actually also in, uh, get a lot of it just by going online to Live, which is the online platform always free for everybody uh, there's you know every week there's a bunch of online events running there uh, which is kind of a great excuse to go in but then once you're in Make sure to connect with uh, the thousands of professionals in the system. You, you, you know, you can filter it by interest, by vertical, by location. Uh, and even it can help you find matches, you know, people that are offering what you're looking for and vice versa. So, so that's a great way to just mm. connect people. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a much more curated environment than what you get with LinkedIn, which, you know, we always use, of course. But this is more curated. This is more focused on AR and VR and the metaverse. And, and it's uh, I think it, it delivers much more value for those who are uh, in that community. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, the like-minded individuals coming together to be a part of the community. I know that I've, I've made a lot of friends a part of your community and everything that you've put together. So thank you so much for the effort that you've done. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you being a part of this and I'll see you on
0: the other side. Thank you, Dylan. It's been fantastic to be here. Thanks for thank having you. me. Take care, Ori. Thank you. Bye now. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.